Hey, this is Tamara McDuff, CEO of Now Digital Marketing. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannuzos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront some obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories and inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I have a great uh, guest with me today. Her name is Tamara uh, McDuff, and Tamara is a self-taught digital marketing expert, having learned from the top digital marketers in the, in the field, both in her hometown of Rochester, New York, and the world. She has a specialized niche for helping funeral homes and funeral directors be more human to stand out online above all the noise to be the leaders of the community they are. While the funeral industry is her specialty, she has worked with many different industries such as travel and the restaurant industries. Tamara has held leadership positions in many community organizations. Most recently, she has led the Rochester Professional Consultants Network as their president and her term expired in June of 2020. She became the first female chapter chair for SCORE, uh, Greater Rochester. In SCORE, Tamara has helped start over 40 businesses and mentored hundreds of business owners to start, run, or grow their businesses, which is tremendous. Prior to being chapter chair, she was the chair of the marketing committee and the workshop committee. In the past, she was also the Vice President of Family and Youth Programming for both her local chapter of Parents Without Partners, overseeing the programming for families for over 100 members, in addition to overseeing the programming for the region, which included 17 chapters across the New York State and Pennsylvania. Tamara has two radio shows. They are weekly and uh, heard in Rochester, New York, and around the world by streaming online. Uh, Rock ROC Voices which uh, showcases local leaders and community members engaged in moving the community forward, rethinking business. A show developed, that's the other one, uh, for SCORE, highlighting SCORE mentors and SCORE clients, as well as business owners. They talk about the journey of being a business owner and how mentoring leads to success. She is married to Jim, and they have a blended family of five children and five grandchildren. So, Tamara, welcome to today's session. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dennis. Thank you. So I've uh, given a, a really good brief on your on your background and bio that is Tell me, is there anything else you might like to share? Just that with the funeral industry, I grew up in it. That's where my passion comes from, that funeral industry. And I've just gotten the whole uh, give back to the community and support the community through community service from my grandfather. So it's a long standing family tradition. 
Yeah, it's interesting eh, how we um, work in family businesses and how that tradition continues, which is great. And then leadership goes from one generation to another and so forth in that business and in the industry as well. So how did you get into leadership? Well, I I always saw myself as a leader. My brothers called me bossy, but I told them it was they were leadership skills. But no, seriously, I just I started really with community things. So at our church, I oversaw the Sunday school program because I wanted my kids to have a more experiential hand and not just reading the scriptures. I went into the Parents Without Partners and sat on committees and became uh, the vice president of the family and youth programming, because I wanted to make sure my kids were having some fun stuff, you know, and I just brought everybody else along for the ride. And so I started there. And then when I got involved with SCORE, I was mentoring business owners. And I thought that was great, but I thought I could take the the chapter to the, another level. And so I jumped in to oversee the marketing and the awareness, since that's what I did. And ultimately, I jumped in to become the female chair, the first female chair. Awesome. And so I like how you just say, I just jumped in. I just did I it, just you know. jumped in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And for a lot of those, for some of those organizations, of course, that sounds like they're more, more voluntary organizations. Would that be right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, but I always find that, you know, when you're in a, in a business area and you've got the boss and then they tend to sort of give you the, you know, they lead or they manage and so forth. But when you're in a volunteer organization, I always find that leadership is where leadership is actually showing really well because you have to be very influential. They don't work for you. They don't get paid by you. So you have to bring those teams together. Hey, what's your thoughts or you know, what's been your experience around volunteer organizations? Exactly what you said too, it is influencing them and connecting with them. That's my big thing is being able to connect with others so that they do give me the buy-in that I need to move everybody forward. So the leadership that I brought to SCORE is very different because I reached out to people one-on-one and I said, are you doing what you want to do in this organization? How can I help you be a better mentor? And so then I can connect them to resources that I have in my vast network and I can provide learning opportunities for them as well so that they can help their clients. Yeah, so listeners, it's uh, you know, Tamara's just standing here. Um, Tamara, Tamara, Tamara. It depends Tamara. on what country, Tamara. <laughs> yeah, it depends on what country you come from. I know that in Australia, I think it's more Tamara. Uh, Tamara is what they say it, but um, Tamara. Uh, yeah, it depends. I think, and it's important for us as leaders to build our toolkits and have our toolkits full. So when we are working with people like and volunteer organisations and that, we can actually refer them to our toolkits and and resources and that and so forth. So here's an interesting question for you. Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favourite leader and why? My favorite leader, I have several of them. That is an excellent question. But the one that I really lean on the most lately has been John Maxwell. I have loved his stuff forever and ever and ever. And what I really like about him is that he walks the talk. He doesn't just tell you what you need to do to be an effective leader. You can see it in everything that he does. His books are written in an easy to understand language that you can, You, I can't put most of them down. I highlight all of them. I've got, you know, flag stickers on everything so that I can go to different passages and, I just, that's what I love about him is that he, he's like every man. He's every man when he talks to people. And you are the most important person in the room when he's talking to you. 
Yeah. For our listeners, if you don't know who John Maxwell is, John C. Maxwell, he's an author of about 80 books, a wonderful speaker, a wonderful leader, and he's done so well over the years and uh, just had a big birthday for himself. And John, mm -hmm. as, as Tamara is saying, that John is someone who's really, really quite cool in the sense that you're so right in his books. Easy read, so easy. It, it's a lot of leadership books that I find are very much technical jargon, very academic and things like that. His is layman's terms, very simple, easy to understand, and you're right, it's hard to put them down. And so, um, uh, listeners, if you haven't already checked out John C. Maxwell, go and check out his books. Uh, which one's your favorite book? Uh, right now, my favorite book is Everyone Communicates But Few Connect. Yeah, wonderful. That's an older, that's an yeah. older book. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's so true because I've seen, you know, and you and I have probably seen and our listeners have seen leaders that communicate and everyone goes, what? What are they going on about? But the leader that's able to up, be up there to, to communicate and really connect with the audience, that that's just really, really special for um, for people to experience. And I think it's, it's a wonderful thing. So the show is called Leadership is Changing. And when I say that uh, title, what does that mean for you? Oh, it means that leaders need to bring the human component back and start connecting with people and stop thinking that they are just, it's just an academic thing, that everything has to be based just on the numbers. Well, the numbers tell us this, we have to go in this direction. Well, that may be, but what is the human balance to that as well? And I see a lot of leaders that just do not connect with their community if they're a political right? They don't connect with the community. If they're a leader of a business, they're not connecting with the workers on the production floor. And that's where everything happens. And the leaders that do that take that five minutes and go around and just say hello to the people on the production floor, they're able to get those workers to do more mm -hmm. and to move the company forward. And and then when you see businesses out there that are really doing what they can when like when, um, you know, we're all dealing with COVID and when COVID hit and when you saw business leaders come out and help at the food shelters or help other businesses say, you know, your business is closed. Well, I still need things that you do. So could you do it in this particular way? Or they are collaborating on different things just to get people through the crisis. That's where leadership is changing. Leadership is getting more hands on, I guess I would say. Yeah, it's wonderful. And then I saw the flip side too. I don't know if you saw this, where you didn't see leaders actually step up at all. Mm, yes. And it's like, wow. And I think that goes back to probably my introduction, which I talk about, you know, leaders are running the risk of, or they're not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant, being left behind. And there it is, boom, it's just happened. And they may not have felt it yet, but they are going to feel it. They're going to be left behind. And as you said, those people, leaders who have got out there with the community, got out there to do things, but also partner with others to get smart about what they do. Yeah, you're so right. They're going to be the ones that are going to be moving forward. And that is leadership is changing. Yeah. Yeah. So how has your business or industry changed and what sort of pressures does that put on you? My business being in uh, digital marketing, we've seen, again, that lack of connection because technology can be cold. Mm. So I see a lot of people still trying to post on social media and they're just posting. They're posting with no purpose. And so I have to, well, I don't have to, but I, what I do is I help businesses find out what that purpose is and start creating those connections. Because the one thing that everybody gets wrong about things like social media and content marketing is that it's so powerful. And why isn't anyone liking my page? But they don't understand that social media doesn't work on social media. Social media works 
outside of social media. It works in the direct messaging box. It works in your inbox. It works on your website. It doesn't work on Facebook or Instagram or any of those platforms. And they don't understand how to create that connection. And Mm -hmm. so I, in my funeral industry, what I want them to do is start bringing the human component and start connecting outside of just the grief because they are the funeral directors, our leaders in that community. And I want them to start creating the content that shows that. And so many of them just post grief memes and they just post obituaries because that's what people will like. And so to them, they think they're making a connection, but they're really not. Mm. Yep. Okay. And so, you know, for funeral directors, that, that must be quite a lonely life, is it? Is it a lonely life for them? It It is, kind of. Yeah, kind because of. We're, on, we're on call 24-7. Yeah. And then I also see that they are also one of the first people that go into a family after a death. And that's just, they're really, really important people because they're in there to be with the family and help the family through their grief and the sense of looking after and mm-hmm. the respect for the, the person who's just passed away. And I think that's really, really important. That's that's some real strong leadership. And I think that's the connecting piece that you're talking about, right? Yes, absolutely. They they can connect in so many different ways. And when I did my uh, restaurant stuff, they they connected with their the people that went to eat at that restaurant would come in and talk about that Facebook page. And, and the owner would be like, well, where did you get that from? Well, it was on your Facebook page. I think it's really great. I didn't know this and I didn't know that. And so we went beyond posting the weekly specials. We went beyond posting. Now I told the story about where they got their duck breast, for example, or their pork chops or whatever, because they, they bought them from local farms. Mm. And nobody knows that. And so now there's another connection into the community, how they're helping other small businesses just by going to their favorite restaurant. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, so you can see that you can join the dots, as we can call it, and uh, they can see where things are going. The other thing I think is really important here, and, and this is maybe what you're alluding to, is that just outside of social media is about the offline online. So we can bring people online, but then we should take them offline to that's mm-hmm. where we really build the relationship. So is, is that what you're saying? Was that... And how does that work? That is what I'm saying. I mean, like with the restaurant, for example, that's a perfect example. They found, I mean, they knew about this restaurant, right? This restaurant has their rabid fans and people love them. But when they go online, now they had a personality. Now they, now, and people who were new to the restaurant found out what it was like to eat there before they even went there. They found out who the staff was. They found out where things were. They got fun facts about scallops, if scallops were a special, you know, things like that. And it just generated way more conversation. So now people are talking about them, not just in the restaurant to share with the owner, but now they're talking to their friends. Hey, look at this. Check this out. Oh, and by the way, the food is really good. So, um, and, and this is what I love about this podcast is that I get to interview people from all around the world, different accents, different cultures, different everything. So scallops, is that the same as what we call scallops? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So I love that. I love the fact that we can we can have these conversations and we talk about the same thing, but it might sound a little bit different depending where you come from and so forth. Don't worry. I mean, every country, they have people who are saying different things as well in the same country. It's really amazing, uh, especially mm-hmm. you know when a country is already big. Hey, Tamara, if there was one thing you could change in business today as a leader, what would that one thing be? Wow, that's a good question. I've been thinking about that. Just one th- I th- it still comes back to that whole connection. I would change the way leaders connect 
with their values and then with the people in the organization. Because when things are aligned with your values and your beliefs, I think that totally moves your organization and takes it to an entirely different level. It can kick it up so many notches. People will get involved because you believe in something. And I really, I I would love to, that's what I would, would change is that whole connection thing. That's what, that's what's really getting stuck in my craw in my own leadership in the organizations. I look to connect more with the mentors so that they can connect more with the community. And then the awareness of what SCORE does and things like that will, will rise. It's really quite interesting how we talk about the values and beliefs of organizations and how if we can connect those with the audience, with the, with the staff, with the community, with our customers and so forth. It's really quite interesting. And in fact, that even goes right back to our stakeholders, our shareholders and so forth. If they can understand the values and benefits, that's really good. I find a lot of organizations come up with values, benefits, mission statements, strategies and things like that. And people don't get it. People don't understand it. People feel like, well, it's just something on a piece of paper. What I do see is that some people have it in a beautiful piece of paper. Maybe they may even laminate it. They may even look at, make it look so fantastic and put it up in the kitchen area where they go, people go and get the tea and coffee and, and then say, well, there's our strategy. There's our values. There's our, our beliefs and things like that. But people still don't get it. I know what you're going to say next. It's about the connecting, but how do we get people to understand the values and the and the beliefs and the strategy and the mission of, of an organization? How do we do that? You have to live them. Your people have to live them. Mm. You have to make them your own. So how does the leader embody those values in their everyday lives, in the when they're outside of the organization, whatever those values and beliefs are? What is that mission? How are they living it? And because that's where it comes from. Yep. It's got to be ingrained in you. It's got to be something that you, you you already champion. I mean, that something brought you into that. And it, eventually you have adopted those values and beliefs almost as your own. Yeah, yeah, good. So then had it, we embodied them. That's great. We bring them to life. We live them. We, do, we, we actually put it in place. We can't just talk about them and then do something different because that is really going to confuse people. And people are going to walk away. They're just going to say, this is just not congruent with what who I am or where the organization's going for, uh, going forward. And it's really quite interesting to see that you can change out a senior leader like that who come and another leader comes in and they can connect well. They do embody the, the values of the organization and so forth. And you see that organization start to fly. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing beautiful. I mean, it's just beautiful. There's nothing out there like that that's not – once you see it happening, it's just like, wow, this is really, really cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting, and um, yeah, I really like what you say. You got to embody the values, and it's really about bringing it to life, or walking that talk and and living it. I think it's really really important for sure. Now, you and I will know people who are employees. We've been employees uh, in the past, and so forth. So, how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? I think employees are expecting a lot more out of their leadership. And I think, too, sometimes it's a little bit unrealistic on some degree, but I, they're craving that connection. They're like, please, don't just give me another soundbite. Tell me how this is going to affect me because it affects you, you know, whatever it happens to be, whatever the where, whatever direction the company happens to be going into. 
I think that's what it is. The, the employee expectations, they expect to be listened to. They want to be heard. They want to be listened to. And, you know, every leader can always run what I call maybe some kind of a benevolent dictatorship, right? Mm -hmm. Where they can listen. You have a say, but you've got to have a really good argument to convince me to change something because I'm the CEO. I'm the, I'm the decision maker. And so whatever I say goes, but I will listen to your input. I tell people all the time, the way I do that is I will listen to whatever you have to say. If there's a problem, please bring it to me. But if you do not follow up with a solution or how you're going to help me implement a new idea or how you're going to help me uh, solve that problem, then I'll, I'll say, oh, that's a great idea. That Thank you for bringing that to my attention. And then I'm going to move on because the people who are bringing solutions to me, in addition to opening my eyes to a problem, those are the people that I want to pay attention to. Yep. Yep. And so a lot of people do whinge and a lot of people do moan and groan about things. But you're so right. If you can come along with the issue, but also bring maybe one, two, or three different options, solutions, and the one that you're recommending to go ahead with mm-hmm. and why, I think that will that would just be so much better for sure. The other thing too is I'm going to go back to again about the how. So how do we connect? You know, I love what you say about the no sound bites because people are like, yeah, but I don't get it. What does it mean? I think making things relevant for people is really, really quite key for them, and that's part of the connecting. But any ideas on how we could do that, how we could make it more relevant for people? Always bring in context to your Mm. soundbite. You know, I was interviewing uh, yesterday a political candidate for mayor in our local hometown here. And on his Facebook page, he had given a quote about his favorite quote from Frederick Douglass. But all he said was the quote. And I said, if you want to connect with people, why don't you tell me why that quote is important to you and how that affects all of your stuff that you want to change in the city. So, you know, he wants to do more for jobs and businesses and, you know, the people and all that. But how does, is that quote a foundational quote for you? Is that something that you live? Is that, what's that context? And so you can do that simply with just a Facebook post. Yep. You know, that's. And anyone can do that. Oh, yeah. And it's not, you know, we talked about that on the radio and he's like, well, you know, he gets into personality because he hears human and he hears personality. And I said, that's, but that's not it. You got to just, you can, there's ways you can do that and tie it into all of the things that you want to do for the community with whatever your initiatives are. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think the uh, the other thing here is that, you know, as you're saying about doing that and a lot of executives I work with, I talk to them about being digital savvy. They need to be digital Mm -hmm. savvy, not only digital savvy, but also being active in the digital world. They're like, what? You mean I need to be on social media all the time? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you take LinkedIn as an example, anyone can click like, anyone can share a quote from someone else or an article from someone else. That's great. But what I'd like you to do is put your words around it, wrap it around that and see what value you can add to that post, to that quote, to something else and what it means for you and others. So then people get to know you as the individual and that's when they start to get to know the personality. That's when they start to get to understand the human being, right? And then, and so forth. And so people are going, oh, so of late, I've seen a couple of these execs go out and actually write some articles. Just one article, give it a go, see what it's like. Dennis said, do this. So they wrote an article. They stuck a photo up there from, they got it from unsplash.com and did what they needed to do and put it up there and where it goes. And then they come to me and they go, huh? I go, what's wrong? They went, oh. I, I'm I'm lost for words. I'm like, well, there's a first. And they go, what do you mean? Go, well, what do you mean you're lost for words? And they're like, 
well, I just don't believe, I can't believe that it worked. I said, what do you mean it worked? Well, I'm getting all these likes. I'm getting all these comments. I'm getting all these shares. And I've even got business out of it. And I went, well, and that's just from one article? Imagine if you did things on a regular basis that were relevant for your audience. Where would that go? What would that mm-hmm. mean? And so it's really good. So I, I really like what you're saying here about the the digital side, about even just the connecting in general. It's not just the digital side, is it? It's, it's, right, it could be, no. it could be outside it, of this. In, yes, in the community. And one, I was just thinking as you were talking about that, the CEO of T-Mobile did not want to be on social media whatsoever. And their social media strategist uh, came along. And he's somebody that I follow. He's one of the only people where I read his newsletters, actually, when it comes into my inbox. But he talked him into getting on Twitter. And if you follow that feed, he is always, the CEO is always giving his take on different things. So now you're learning how to connect with him as a human. You do see his personality come through, but you see what he believes in. Sure. You, you see the company values at play, the way that they do their strategy. And one of the things I remember is people were talking about the phones and mm-hmm. you know how they're mini computers. And he said that on a talk show. He goes, these guys are, these are like mini computers. Why would you sit on it? Why are you breaking your phone? <laughs> Why this is an amazing machine. And just if you follow his Twitter, it's and I can't remember his name, it's it's on the tip of my tongue, but if you look up T-Mobile and follow their account, that's the CEO is actually behind that account. Yeah, they've had some real market, uh, wonderful marketing strategies in the past where they've had people singing, uh, I think they were, it was T-Mobile, they had people singing years ago in Heathrow Airport in the UK and they were... Uh, it was about Welcome Home uh, was a song, I think it was, and and how they did that when passengers were arriving. And it's almost like a flash mob type scenario. And they, they've got some beautiful stuff that they do. But it'll be great to see that. So that's the T-Mobile CEO on Twitter. And uh, that, that'll be really cool to find out. What makes a leader successful in this fast-paced or today's fast-paced, ever-changing world? You know, because it's really moving fast. Everything's changing mm-hmm. real quick. So what makes a leader successful today? The ability to be open to everything and attached to nothing. The ability to, because that will allow you the ability to pivot and know which opportunities you want to jump on. If they had, if they were clear about the top three things they needed to get out of an opportunity, if they had that kind of clarity because they were aligned with their values, their mission, and the company's values and missions. And they weren't really attached to their own personal goal or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. If they were able to do that, they could pivot on a dime. Yeah. Anything could happen and they would find a way to seize that opportunity and see things as an opportunity instead of just another challenge. So say that again, the ability to. Be open to everything and attached to nothing. Yeah, I like that. That's really good. So being open to everything, listeners but attached to nothing. I love that. Yeah, it's really good. Now, if if I get you to get your crystal ball out and start talking about the future and think about things like that, but where do you see leadership being in five years? I definitely see it being a, a more a more connected type of thing, a more hands-on. I think the days of our father's uh, leadership being hands off in the ivory tower 
I think those days are coming to an end. Yeah. And I think people, leaders are going to be more in the trenches with their workers, so to speak, at least in, in heart and in mind, right? In, it, but it, they may get their hands dirty, actually truly get them dirty on the production floor at some point, but they will be rolling up their hands and not afraid to do the work that's going to be required. Yeah, I think it'd be wonderful. And I think that, you know, leaders that can do that, that's where they become relatable as well, right? Rather than mm -hmm. being in the ivory tower, as you said, they are connectable there. They actually are connecting with people. They are working with people on the ground. And that could mean all sorts of things. But I think it's I think that'd be really great. So it'd be wonderful to see that. And I think we are seeing some of that already where we're mm -hmm. going more away from the hierarchical sort of scenario to more of the collaborative side of things. And some organizations are having more, uh, a lot more flat structures, if you know what I mean. So, yes. so they've got less tiers of, of management and leadership and things like that. And they're going to a more of a flat structure to be able to get things done. And I, and I think that's really good. Excellent. So Tamara, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? The Well, the, the best place to connect with me would be on LinkedIn. Uh, they can uh, go, it's uh, linkedin.com forward slash in and Tamara McDuff. Yep. Simple. Just type my name in the search and send me a message. Excellent. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Tamara, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's been a real pleasure having you here. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. Excellent. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown, the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Share them with your friends, your family, your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me on the show, or if there's a question you'd like me to ask my guests as I interview them, or if you have a question for me on the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, feel free to send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, if you haven't already checked out the Facebook group, Leadership is Changing, or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, feel free to go ahead and do that. We'd love to see you there. Join the community. So listeners, hey, thanks for tuning in today. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.